I'm sure most of you, as I was, were relieved to some degree to be able to gather together tonight, not just because it is Shabbat, but also because of the weight of this week, the tragic terrorist attack in Bulgaria, the weight of today, the horrific and tragic attack in Colorado. It isn't insignificant that today was Rosh Chodesh Av, the beginning of the new month in the Hebrew calendar called Av. And the Mishnah in Masechet Ta'anit, the Mishnah says, av when, when Av comes, the month of Av, when it arrives, we diminish joy. The palpable sense for those of us who are aligned in our inner clock with the rhythm of the Jewish year, the organismic and organic quality of the yearly cycle, this week already had a brooding anticipation that was gathering. And certainly the tradition doesn't diminish, but heightens the power of this month in recording how many tragedies befell our people during this month, beginning with the only recorded site, so to speak, in the Torah, the only day that we know that somebody passed away when we're told in this week's Torah portion that Aaron HaKohen, Aaron the priest, the older brother of Moshe Rabbeinu, our teacher Moses, died on the first day of the month of Av. And so yesterday and this morning was the Yortzeit, was the anniversary of the death of the one who is described by our tradition as a Rodef Shalom, someone who pursued peace. Aaron the priest was a pursuer of peace, of Shalom. And his death and the anniversary of his death is a significant moment in understanding the meaning of this month, the month in which someone who pursued peace died. Another clue that our rabbis give to this month is in its very name. Of course, the names are not given in the Torah, they are of Babylonian origins, but the name Av, which means father in Hebrew, and has as its name the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph and Bet. A-B. Our rabbis say that alludes to the Hebrew alphabet, to the structure of language, if you will. And the, the constructive and destructive capacity, the power that language has to both build worlds and destroy them. The ninth day of the month, which will be next Friday evening and Saturday, the ninth day of the month of Av, which we will then push to Saturday evening and Sunday in order to commemorate it with a fast and the reading of the book called Eicha, which I'll come to in a minute, commemorates the destruction of both of our holy structures, our holy temples, when they once stood. And our rabbis go so far as to say that in the time of the temple, all of language became useless. We were destroyed by our incapacity, the rabbis say, 
to use language to its fullest prophetic potentiality. Language was weakened. And another allusion to this is that the book of Echa, which I just mentioned, the book of Lamentations, which we'll read next Saturday evening at BJ, is grounded in an acrostic. It begins with an A, and then it goes to a B, and a C, and a D, and each sentence spells out something that took place, some lament, some painful moment in the destruction of the temple of that period, and it does it by using language. And for this, the rabbis say, is extremely significant. Language heals and language wounds. Language builds and language destroys. Language is creative and language can be meaningless. Language in ancient Israel was the very power to create the world itself. Baruch Amar Olam, we say in the liturgy, blessed is the one who spoke and created the world using speech. Our God, our deity is a speaking God. And one of the defining features of what it is to be a human being, say the medieval philosophers, is our capacity to form meaningful, constructive communication. And so if language and the month of Av of A, B, C, D, and the destruction of the temple of Echa of Lament paints a picture of language gone awry, of miscommunication, of missed opportunity, of broken bridges. The rabbis envision a world where the building of that destruction will take place through constructive speech, through holy, holy communication, svat emet, the language of truth. We're doing that tonight. A great theologian from the East said that all worship is in essence a yearning to truthfulness. A yearning to truthfulness is what we do when we come to pray. The beginning of this week's Torah portion also explores this theme of the power of language. In the beginning of Parshat Matot, we have a double portion this week, Matot Masa'eh, but in the beginning of the first Parsha, Matot, we learn about something that all of you will be familiar with, a word that you've heard before, Nidre, Neder. Kol nidrei v'esarei u'shivuei. The beginning of this week's Torah portion is a very intimate and intricate conversation about the power of language to make a vow, a promise, an oath, a swear, a shvuah. Torah goes on to say, lo yachel divaro, if you make a vow, you make a promise, do not make your vow empty. Don't make your words meaningless. The power of words to create a world. For the ancients, it was sacrosanct. And then the rabbis, I'm sorry, excuse me, the Torah itself does something fantastic. It introduces the notion that even if one makes a vow, we have something in our Torah called hatarat or hafarat nidarim. It's possible in fact, that's exactly what we do on Yom Kippur night, which will be September, right? September 24th, right here. That kol nidre is an expression of the Torah's brilliance. That though we sometimes use language and we mean it, there is built into the world an uncertainty. 
There is built into the world of language a not knowing. There is built into the world of words and human communication a space where none of us can arrive. We can visit it, and then we leave immediately. We don't know. Language, by its very definition, is indeterminate. It tries to locate, to create, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it destroys. And we are often left in the space between. And so along came the Torah and said, if you make a promise and you cannot keep your vow, here's something remarkable. You can annul your vow. Fantastic. Says the Ishbitzer Rebbe, one of my favorite Hasidic masters, something so remarkable. He says that this teaching of the Torah comes in the last of the Parshiot of the fourth book of the Bible. In essence, the end of the Torah, because the fifth book of the Torah is a repetition. And so the Torah ends the first four books of the Torah with laws regarding uncertainty to teach us that all of the religious life that we lead is marked by the search for certainty on the one hand and the absence of it on the other. And all of us, as voyagers in that great ocean, live between those two places. Language creates, language destroys, language locates, language dislocates. And we, as we discussed last week, in searching for spiritual maturity, we enumerated two points of spiritual maturity last week. In our ever, in our ongoing and ever-increasing desire to spell out what does spiritual practice do for you and me. And so we name a third quality here this Shabbos. Living in the space between language. Living in the I don't know. Especially in the wake of the things that took place this week, this morning, thousands of years ago. We live perpetually in that place of spiritual maturity that seeks an answer but knows when there is none to be found. Today and throughout this month, our tradition enjoins us to cry the tears of the world, to bring them to heart, to bring to heart the mother of the perpetrator and the victims to bring to heart all of those moments of constriction and pain that are absolutely inexplicable and ask us as spiritual practitioners to be able to have a heart that big that it can hold that too, that we can hold that. There's a story of a Hasidic Rebbe whose name was Itzla Vorka. And his best friend was Menachem Mendel of Kotsk. I'm sure many of you have heard of the Kotsky Rebbe. And the two of them were very close. And the Vorker said to Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, he said, I'm going to die soon. And the Kotsker said to him, my dear friend, Itzla, when you die, promise me one thing, that you'll come back and let me know how things are up in heaven. So sure enough, when the Vorka, Itzel Vorka died, nobody heard from him. 
He didn't come in a dream to his son, who was also called Menachem Mendel. He didn't come to Menachem Mendel of Kutsk. So finally, the Kutsker said, if, if the worker isn't going to come visit me, I'm going to go find him. So he went to sleep that night, and he began to travel in his dream, and he went up through heaven. And in heaven, there are many chambers in our tradition, so he went to the first chamber, and he was looking. If he said, anybody see my friend, Rav Itzala? He said, no, he's, I think he's that way. He went up a little higher, knocked on the door. Have you seen Rav Itzala? No, I think he went that way. And the Kutzker then said that he finally he came up to the palace of the Messiah, and he asked the Messiah, have you seen my friend Rav Itzala Vorka? And the Messiah said, I haven't, but I know that he went through that forest. And so the Kutzker said he went into the forest, and it was the darkest forest he said he'd ever been in in his life. And as he came to the edge of the forest, he could hear a crashing sound that he said sounded louder than any sound he'd ever heard in his life. It was so terrifyingly loud. And as he came, to, he came out of the forest, and he couldn't believe what he saw, he saw an ocean as far as his eyes could see. And then on a stone, on a rock, he saw his friend Rav Itzel Avorka with his shtekel, with his, with his stick, sitting on the rock. And the Kotzker went over to him and said, Itzel, was machst du? How are you doing? He says, I'm okay. He says, you promised you were going to come back. He said, I couldn't. He said, why? He says, I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave this place. And the Kotzker said to him, what do you mean? What is this place? It's so loud. It's so crazy. And the Vorker, as the Kutzker said, he took his stick and he waved it like this across the whole ocean. He said, you see this ocean? This is an ocean of tears. And I promised myself that I would not leave this place until each one of those tears is dry. So on this Shabbos, on this Friday, as we stand in the month of Av, and as we enter into the saddest period of the year, we are together with our brothers and sisters who are celebrating Ramadan. And I want to make a vow using language tonight. I promise that in spite of all things that human beings do to convince me they are not the children of the Most High God, I will not be convinced. I will remember continuously that we are each born as prince and princess of that place. And I promise that if the whole world closes its heart over and over again, I will continue to challenge myself to keep it open. That I will reach across those obstacles and those walls that have divided us for so many years. I will keep in my heart the space of I don't know, of the space of radical uncertainty. And I bless each and every one of you that one day, one day, these days will become days of joy, that we will look back together and celebrate. Let it be so and let it be soon and let us all say, Amen.